0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to Catalyst Talks, conversations with change agents, outliers, superheroes, and truly conscious leaders modeling what it is to be an unstoppable force for good in this world. What lit these catalysts on fire to do their work and what nuggets of wisdom can they share with a world literally on fire? This podcast is for you who cares deeply and seeks to catalyze the world. I'm your host, Stephanie Traeger. I'm a consciousness catalyst and soul coach to superstar change agents in business leadership and life. In this podcast, I wear an eclectic mix of hats, including Earthkeeper, Healer, Mindset Coach, Lawyer, Business Sustainability, and Impact Strategist. My intention is holding space for higher purpose, peak wellness, and soul mastery so we can live in harmony with ourselves, each other, and nature. The whole idea of Catalyst Talks in these conversations is to awaken consciousness, unlock higher purpose, and learn what it really takes to catalyze change in that scale. Subscribe to our new podcast and help us grow. We're aiming to reach a million people at least in 2020. Let's wake up the world together. I thank you so much for joining me today, Kat. I really appreciate you being here. The founder, director of Sacred Plant Traditions. You are one powerful herbalist, uh, communicator of plants, medicine, and I know the world needs you and your message so much right now. So thank you for being here.
1: Thank you, Stephanie. It's a pleasure.
0: Yeah, when I invited us to have this conversation, said, you know, we, it's really time to channel whatever. We, we talk all the time and have these really powerful conversations and channel some really powerful information and said, okay, we, let's put this on the air. What do people need to know right now that you are so intimately connected with from the plant world?
1: Hmm. let's see. I can say what I've been... Uh, finding out what I need to know. It's always so hard to, you know, really take this and put it out for what different people need. But what's really been coming through for me, Stephanie, and my herbal community and plant community is uh, we're really looking close, close to home at our local medicines. I mean, when this first started out, a lot of my colleagues put out brilliant papers and, we immediately went to the plants and we went to, you know, Baikal skullcap and Chinese herbs and codenopsis and kind of faraway lands. And what happened was the, um, our herbal suppliers uh ran out very, very quickly, and so while that was just incredibly heartening that there are so many people that you know were understanding, no, there is so much more that we can do than simply wash our hands and keep a distance you know, so many of us immediately, you know, knew what to do and reached out to our communities of, you know, how to build immunity. And I've learned tremendous amount. But the one thing that keeps coming back um, to all of us is let's really look at our bioregions and our local apothecaries. And, uh, you know, here at Sacred Plant, we work with energetics. So when you look at COVID and fever and lungs, you know we're looking at clearing heat. And so just for an example, you know, Baikal skullcap from uh, Russia, but we can grow it and it grows locally. But right now, a lot of the sources are international. And so we couldn't grow that, or we weren't able to obtain it in the numbers we wanted. And so we look at our local plants. Um, plantain, plantago major, incredible lung remedy, clears heat, uh, chickweed, echinacea, all of these work energetically. So this has been a huge definer and uh, it's it hasn't been redirecting us. There's been this huge movement in the plant community uh, that we have to go this way. But what was happening was so much in the herbal community was now being co opted by nutraceuticals and larger organizations. You know, the herbal industry is now a billion dollar, I think the last I saw was like $7 billion industry. So you know wherever there's money, uh, there's going to be larger corporate interests. And so what the one of the golden rays that are coming forward is we have these medicines and we need to be able to access them on a community level. Uh, And so that's a long-winded answer uh, to one of the things that I think people what we're coming out of this um, with a greater capacity uh, for sustaining ourselves with what we have. And we've really been going back to our local medicines and really empowering our local growers. You know, where people are going back to CSAs, people are looking at farmers. uh, And the challenge right now is there's many dreams and there's many, Plans, but for me, what this time is about is a very, very deep restructuring. And so, the work right now, while what I feel we're in this downtime, I don't really even think the work has begun with this. It's going to be the aftermath. It's, it's like the cleanup after, you know, a climate change weather event. So, as we go forward, What are the practices? What are the policies? What are we as herbal educators, writers, authors, uh, leaders, how are we going to go forward and not fall into the same in some ways, trappings. Um, so it's, it's been astounding to watch on a community level, uh, people reaching out and really wanting to know. And, and look, it's like the victory gardens are being grown. And the same thing is happening with the herbal plants.
0: Mm, wow. So you're talking a lot about local, really bringing the focus local. And I would love to hear about your Botanica Mobile Clinic
1: Yeah, sure. Um, It's kind of the joy. I mean, I've been teaching for 30 years. I've had a school. I love traveling. I just, I love the brilliance of herbalists because they're also kind of like outlaws. We've always been the outliers. You know, there is no licensure. There is um, no standardization. And we have worked really, really hard um, to keep that standardization outside of our profession because these plants work very deeply on many, many levels. And, you know, I was trained as a physician assistant. And so I I can really appreciate why you go into an allopath or a doctor, nurse practitioner, or a PA, they kind of have to stay within the realms of their uh, standards, uh, because that's that's the, that's the rules of their game. We can't expect them to know about herbs or to know about all different things. And so what as herbalists we've wanted is to be able to bring our relationship with a plant into the um, clinic. And so with Botanica Mobile Clinic, uh, it was really born out of the siege uh, when uh, Charlottesville, I'm here in Charlottesville, Um, And in 2017, with with the siege of the Nazis and the white supremacists, um, there was a tremendous amount of trauma, and the trauma had been building, you know, for years, right? And um, a friend of mine, Emily Ruff, who's at the Florida School of Herbal Studies, um, they had a profound response to the Pulse Massacre down in Orlando, and she started this grief care project, And, and so herbalists across the country, we started gathering and we started saying look climate change and there's there needs to be a network initiative you know when houston floods happened we wanted herbalists to send um medicines to we wanted somebody on the ground and and who knows how to dispense them so um in august um when we had that incredible violent uh traumatic event Uh, That's when Botanica was really brought into fruition. And so we set up, uh, and we had been working um, in different venues, um, but that really concretized um, our plans and our action. And so what we're doing now is we're engaging with different community organizations, and we're working a lot in the mental health field. And in fact, I just hooked up with a woman yesterday who's doing this brilliant work. She was incarcerated. Uh, For 10 years. In the last three years of her incarceration, she set up a 501 realizing when I get out, I am going to help women in their transition because she was feeling how frightened she was and what are her resources. So I just met her yesterday and we're going to get our care packages. But essentially, Botanica Mobile Clinic. It's a free clinic. We were just graced with an incredible donation. Um, But for example, right now during COVID, uh, we're making our care packages. And these care packages have lung tea and nerving teas and lozenges. We work a lot with the unhoused. And so they can't be washing their hands. So we have hand sanitizer. And with all of these remedies that we're giving, we have to be aware You know, if somebody ingested a whole bottle, would they be safe? So we've really been informed by incredible uh, folks that have been working. Uh, uh, A dear friend of mine, Lorna uh, Mountabrodick in Atlanta, has had herbalista. For years and she is a mentor to us and she's worked with the young house she understands you know you can give them tea bags they can go to 7-eleven they can get hot boiling water how to make it really practical so we give vitamin D vitamin C um, Ricola we give zinc lozenges because so much of COVID is keeping the throat moist and keeping the throat as a first line of defense and how important this is so in the early measure came out and say drink warm water every 20 minutes this is just so impractical uh, for many people. And especially now, we're still moving forward and people's water is being cut off. So, you know, we're, we're just really beginning in this, I fear. Um, so right now, because of the situation, we're just giving care packages um, to folks in need, um, just to help them. And, you know, what blew me away during um, the August siege was, we were inundated with so many medicines from around the country and one of it is you know i've traveled i have beloved friends and um but there was this great uh shop out of new york city flower power and dang if they didn't make these herbal remedies and they put in handwritten notes seville we love you stand strong stand proud and so Those brought tears to the eyes of the uh, members of the community we were working with. And it transcends, yes, the vitamin C and the immune, but it's got to be the power of love and the power of trusting that there are strangers out there far away who are sending me this bag. And that's that transcendent healing that uh, reaches beyond um, the physical So the other aspect of botanica that we totally dug, we worked at a a clinic called On Our Own. And On Our Own is this wonderful... organization uh, that helps people that are leaving residential mental health programs and they're on their own. They're either on the streets or they're living with family. They have an apartment, but it's a super duper struggle. And we all know that when we're transitioning from uh, one state of our lives to another. And so we, we set up our clinic there. And I'm telling you, we would have these, Big, burly, tatted up, um guys coming in there, and they had medications, you know, the length of their arm, and they'd be back and they'd be like, "I want my rose tea, I can't sleep without it and mm-hmm. so we couldn't use tinctures, we didn't use alcohol, but what was profound was what I've been seeing all along is these plants. Not only is it their constituents, not only is it their energetics, but they have a way of getting in between the spaces, working in between. You know the pharmaceuticals, and they have a way of touching our beings, our souls, our organs in a way uh, that is just unheard of. So obviously, dealing with meds and herbs, you have to be skilled and um, trained. And yet, the power of these plants, and watching these people who were on heavy-duty pharmaceuticals have relief from these simple, simple teas um, that they were lined up. You know, with our our bi-monthly visits—it's—it's um, it's just so mind-blowing and it's really profound. So that's Botanica Mobile Clinic. So,
0: how, so how do you feel about the? You know, you're so deeply ingrained in the solution right now, in jumping into action. And I've seen you do this before. I know you brought. I don't know if it was the same clinic, but I know that you were out at Standing Rock and bringing the plants and healing wherever you go. And that's your service. That's how you show up. And so I'm curious like, this is Catalyst Talks. We're here to really talk about what it is that makes people step in and be the catalyst. You know, you're a change agent, you are a leader modeling what it is to be an unstoppable force for good in this world. I'm curious about your thoughts on. Where how far from the plants the world is moving? Right. You you in your world see a lot of people showing up with the care and the love really tapping into the energy of the plants and the rest of the planet, or I should say the rest of the United States is moving away from that. And to see some of the crazy reactions to this energy of COVID going on right now, what are some of your thoughts about what's actually happening, the kind of medical care that is being uh, proposed to help heal or cure this pandemic? This
1: pandemic. Right. Uh, well, the energy just shifted for me as I kind of dropped down into um, what's happening. One thing I, I do want to say is, you know, we used to be in a bubble. You know, the the world of herbalism was very, very small. And the mycelial running uh, you wouldn't find too many connections there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But plant medicine, you know, from, you know, movie stars having TV series, you know, talking about the herbs and Instagram, all kinds of sage and smudging to the point of um, this is harmful. This is, you know, we're over harvesting endangered desert sage and the popularization. So know I can talk about United Plant Savers but I do want to go back to your question. Um, So I I really believe the plant medicine, herbal medicine is hitting um, many more mainstream Western folks in America. We do have to remember that for the majority of other countries Uh, Their first medicine still is plant medicine, even though they look at the modernization and they're on the drugs, you know, their go-to, they're still treated at home, treated by their grandmothers, treated by their diets, by the... Indian diets and the turmeric and the things that we're taking in capsules and people are making billions of dollars selling turmeric Indians have never ever left that they've still been making golden milk and they're you know that that's just who they are and where they've been so I do really see the Renaissance in it really coming into mainstream one of the things I want to say about what I've been watching I have friends in hospitals uh, treating uh, you know physicians and nurses and um and 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 so I have a student who's an orthodontist and she sent me this video and she said, "Hey, can you take a look at this let me know I'm about to go back into practice and here's a doctor recommending other doctors you know what to do and it was brilliant He was succinct I thought his information was spot on and it was absolutely infuriating because I thought, why are doctors telling doctors?" vitamin D, vitamin C, very simple over-the-counter remedies. Um, And they are not telling the American public. They are telling us there is nothing we can do. And I have to tell you, Stephanie, this has been one of the greatest struggles for me because there has to be a reason. Vitamin D, they have done studies now of the worst case and they've been looking at serum levels of vitamin d there's a brilliant study in ireland um, where they did a, a direct analysis of vitamin d levels and the rapidity of decline in covid so you know god bless everybody who is out there in their system believing that they're doing the very very best um, there 's all kinds of stories of ventilation, and that might not be appropriate, you know as herbalists and educator, Our role is to keep people out of the hospital, and that 's been our work and um working with herbs I'm very, very sick i've worked with covid now and um you know I'm very sick, and they 're recovering. Um, Some move on to the hospital. But Charlottesville, I think we have maybe 22 beds of COVID. I mean, it just has not come here um, at this point. So this is mostly remote that I'm working. Um, but you know, the 1918 flu, the same herbs, which so incredibly interesting. Paul Bergner is a medical herbalist and he did this brilliant presentation. And we're looking at the same herbs that we're using because it's our body's response. And in some ways, this is what um, the whole um, treat the terrain. This was Bechamp, it's not Pasteur, you know, it's Bechamp, the French um, biologist, you treat the terrain. And so it's in some ways the same mechanism. So it's high fever, clear heat, you know, the lungs fill, drain damp. Um, there's okay, all so kinds of mechanisms.
0: for a second, because you're talking to a whole world of non-herbalists right now. So like, Okay. Yes. You know, right, right, right. Thank you. Some, yeah, let's break down some of that uh, beautiful um, description about the terrain. What do you mean
1: by that? I have nothing but respect and honor of people showing up in their systems doing what they need to do. And also, that system is now seeing a correlation between our vitamin D deficiency and immunity, and specifically lungs. And so, you know, it it just, yes, there's big pharma. Yes, there's litigation. Yes, there's all this. it's just such a a seemingly simple preventative measure. So when I'm talking about the terrain, that's what we're seeing with the comorbidity, right? I mean, the people that are most vulnerable have comorbid association with other diseases. That's terrain. Diabetes sets up a damp, stagnant tissue state in a way and this might be a little more herbal and might be a little boring for people but the whole idea is that sets up infection that sets up a whole way that the body really can't throw off um, a damp situation in the lungs very easily so the ideal you know one of my dreams coming out of this and who knows but you know, I just really think we should be planning a really good exit. Let's get super serious on the comorbidity diseases. Hypertension is so treatable. It's so treatable. It's lifestyle. It's food. It's diet. We're seeing that more and more. You know, young, healthy 40-year-olds who are tense, who are overworking, who are on their computers too much, you know, there's remedies for them. There's ways to get them off the medication. They're looking at lisinopril and, you know, ACE inhibitors, and what implication does that have? Um, do we need these medications? So, ideally, in a public health way, let's go back and treat the terrain of the people who were most vulnerable. And obviously, there's the elderly and their you know, very vulnerable. And, you know, how how do we help them and treat them? And that's a whole other conversation. But, you know, the terrain is the drugs and how people have in some ways set themselves up um, for falling into a, a, a deeper struggle with a COVID. And it's not blame it 's not blame, and the majority of these are lifestyle diseases so
0: i 'm going to just jump in here, so it 's only you don 't sound like you 're blaming anybody the The important takeaway here is that i 'm hearing you say, and this is what I fully stand in in the truth of is that we are all responsible for the terrain on some level, right, and even if there are things that we maybe couldn't control within our terrain, then what could we, what can we? Exactly.
1: Exactly. So we, we do have um, a tremendous amount of control. And then we also look at epigenetics. So we look at the African-American community really struggling with this and yes, high diabetes, high hypertension and high racism that continues to this very day. So one of the things that, you know, I don't want to get into politics, but if we come out of this with a very sane and wonderful healthcare system that really addresses, um, you know, social injustice and, you know, this is going to be a long time coming out of it, but you can also have that in Caucasians with poverty. You know, what are the systems? Yes, it is the diseases of stress, but what are the systems that they're working within? So, yeah, I should be exercising more and maybe doing more yoga. And I've been a, a little more anxiety-ridden during this because I have to put my whole school online, and that's very stressful. Um, but I am not doing it under um, poverty and abuse and in, in these situations that, to me... Um, are unfathomable. So, you know, much, much work. And, you know, I love your project here with a catalyst for change, because that's what this time is. I think we could rename COVID, you know, it's a catalyst for change. And so we're all saying that that's in many conversations Um, you know, I don't know if I can get into Michael Moore's latest film that came out. And, you know, I have learned so much about the critique of that film, um, Planet of the Human. And no matter what, I think it's an important film for everybody to watch, to look at, it's still the same relationships, still within green energy we're repeating the same structural injustices. So that's going down a whole other rabbit hole, if you will. No, it's actually
0: not. It's actually not. I mean, you know, the thing is that we jumped in and we started talking about the current situation that we're experiencing, that the the lens through which the world is looking at, the lens through which we can talk about herbalism, your practice, um, how you show up, you as a catalyst too, though we are also we you and i in our in our different paths have been living this right you've been working with the plants when it was not a, not an acceptable you know form of of what like, a profession necessarily you've you know we've right. been the activists right. the voices for the um the voices for the the underdogs right well, it has been underdogs. Believe
1: me, being an herbalist 30 years ago. And it's so funny because the elder herbalists now, you know, we're, we're called out on social media or being old school or we're slow to grasp. And, you know, it's just so funny. You know, we really were bushwhacking our way. And we always have to remember the Native Americans have never left this way of medicine. There's some Appalachians in the holler who couldn't afford doctors, They, they all they knew were plants. But in a white Western reality, um, we were underdogs, we were dangerous, we were witches, we were, um, you know, to be suspect of something. And now, you know, it's hip, it's great, everybody's, you know, taking moringa and acai berry you know, it's in Walmart. And that's a good, good thing. Um, And how do we change and how do we go forward? And it's sort of like Planet of the Humans, just it's about relationships, I really think. And I think really, one of the things, yes, I do believe a lot of the information of certain aspects of renewables was outdated in that movie. But I think you know, his whole talking about biomass and the greenwashing, and that's what's happening with herbalism. So what's magnificent about COVID, and if, if it sticks, like we're going to see what sticks to the wall after this, that's kind of a weird expression, is people are digging around in their backyards. People are discovering, you know, I can grow this, I can grow my food. And yes, it's a small minority of sort of my community because we've had herbalists here now you know I had a Chinese teacher who said your goal as a healer is obsolescence and I thought well my goodness I am going to aspire to that but I live in a capitalist country good luck to me and so you know what if I disappeared from Charlottesville tomorrow and this might sound egotistical and it kind of is but If I disappeared from Charlottesville, herbalism would be so incredibly strong. There's apothecaries, there's schools, there's practitioners, and it's just one community at a time. So for me, the catalyst coming out of this is good medicine. What is the medicine? How are we going to go forward? And so a few of us are starting bioregional projects of understanding if i want a southwest herb let's see how we can organize and support a wildcrafter or somebody out you know there's incredible practitioners in the southwest you know industry herbal industry you know shrieks at this they want to be able to have everything they want osha they want kudzu they want golden seal you know a company wants to have everything and that's not a sustainable model because they're not planting it they're not growing it they're not watching how is lomatium how is golden seal how are these plants that we are voraciously consuming and for the most part improperly who's growing them where are they coming from So, one project that I'm working on is the beginning of contacting Northeast and these different regions and seeing, you know, what do you think? What are your herbs that you all really have in great supply and demand? Um, So, that might be, you know, one thing going forward. Um, But the other thing is, and, and I haven't heard anything, but going back to comorbidity, you would think that that would be a huge wake-up call. And it might be, you know, maybe right. I mean, it's a struggle for me to do yoga, and I have a magnificent garden, and my son's here, and it's great, and we're having a great time, and great neighbors. And I'm still uh, pressed for really excelling in self-care. But maybe coming out of this, it's what made people so vulnerable? You know, if we just went to there instead of putting billions of dollars into a vaccine or antivirals or medications, you know, what about putting billions of dollars into that public health measure? Um, what is it? And it's not just what people are eating; it's the social constructs. And here we are with unemployment. So this is huge. You know, I have no idea. There's going to be Probably peaks and spikes in all these diseases of stress. Um, so, we're again, like I said, we're just really, really beginning. But I also want to say what I've learned is the power of these plants in their spirit form. Um, you know, just a cup of chamomile tea. And that's what we've been watching and giving away these plants and giving away these tea bags. You know, this one community said, oh, we're not going to be drinking the herbs. And I went and I gave a talk and I was funny and, you know, we were joking and I, you know, it's it's something that's not familiar. And then when it becomes familiar, these plants work their magic. They absolutely work their magic and it's unbeknownst in many ways to the individual. You know, you don't have to say, oh, this is plant spirit. You know, that is plant spirit. It's just the plant.
0: How do you feel about uh, Costco, you know, getting, getting a box of chamomile tea that's been on the shelf for five years, um, has been probably irradiated and who knows where it came from. Maybe it's from a few different batches. How do you, how do you feel about that as a representation of the medicine or the energy of the plant?
1: Yeah, well, I have lots of clients who go to Costco and buy that
0: very box. And I'm like,
1: I am so proud of you for not buying that Pepsi. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: You know, you got to meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. You know, if, we, if we're working with certain people and they're going into the 7-Eleven, I don't know if we can name brand names, but anybody, a convenience store, it's like buy that Sobe green tea. Like start slowly shifting them. And so if they're buying that radiated, you know, and most chamomile comes from Hungary, and Hungary was Chernobyl, um, and so are all the McCormick spices. But that that's why, you know, we're slowly looking at sourcing. You know, where are we getting it from? Um, but so for me, it's like, well golly, they're drinking chamomile <laughs> instead of you know, some orange powdered Gatorade or something, you know, that's a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Um, So when people, and I always have people bring in their herbs and their appointment and, you know, we, we, I'm very congratulatory that they made that step. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we always try to direct them to a better source. Um, so, and, you know, and that's taken years, you know, I was militant in my early years and, you know, I, I quickly learned, I had a, another teacher who said, look, our job is not to convince, it's to reveal. Mm-hmm. And I sure wish I would have learned that a lot earlier because I was out and I was trying to convince Um, everybody, you know, one certain way. And so now if I just reveal certain facts and knowings um, and sources, um, it's just so much gentler and people don't feel shamed. I mean, shame is a disease. Shame is huge. And that's so much of what the trauma is about.
0: Yeah. Mm, Thank you. Thank you yeah i wanted you know wanted to take a turn here, and you know you and I met for, well we met a few times, but we we had this I've shared a little bit on on this podcast about my experience in um in Ecuador in early part of the last mm-hmm. decade, and we were in this beautiful place I experienced a healing that changed my life um, and we were. Blessed to be working with, you know, we were blessed to be in a place that not only was the magic of the place, the whole place, part of the experience, but we were also with, um, you know, we were also introduced to medicine that was very sacred to this this indigenous community, the Shuar, and. I know that you have done a lot of work around entheogens, which is what the category of these plants might fall into, but I would love to hear your thoughts just not only on entheogens but in general because it's it's more explicit or obvious for me personally when it comes to plant medicines of the entheogen category which which would include things like peyote or ayahuasca i really would I'm really always thinking about the effect of the medicine, like that, that it, it's not only the plant, that it it's all of the environment around it. So you're going back to the right. beginning where you're talking about local, right? We're in this place right now where all kinds of companies and so many people and so many jobs are affected by the supply chain. And you started off talking about the supply of the plants from, you know, China or other countries, it's it's hard to to get. So localizing, what other other what are the other things you can talk about? How the local environment, you know, activates or catalyzes the plant to unlock its medicine. Um, yeah. Hmm. Mm. Hmm. Yeah,
1: there's a lot there. Uh, I'm still sort of back in the memory of the Mm -hmm. Cascade of the Gods and that magnificent trip that you and I and Rosemary Gladstar and Rocio, we took to Ecuador among um, those incredible wisdom keepers and uh, curanderos and Cascade, yes, honoring Cascade, um, So, well, uh, one thing I want to say is uh, about local. J.R. Worsley um, was a British acupuncturist, and he is accredited, of course, with any great leader. There's always um, a bit of controversy, but um, he's really accredited with bringing a shamanic form of Chinese medicine um, back into use. It's the five element. And um, I won't go into the differentiation of the acupuncture, but during Mao Tse Tung, um, he uh, radicalized uh, Chinese medicine and made it much more physical and took out the notion of spirit and spirit states and um, shamanic uh, practices of Chinese medicine. And um, he brought in eight principles and made it very dogmatic and pragmatic. Um, so J.R. Worsley, uh is is a proponent and teaches that uh, I don't know how he came up with this. There's no footnote, but he's, he teaches, and then other um, elders teach this, that the plants that grow within your bioregion, and I think it's a distance of about 20 to 30 miles, but if you've lived in an area for that long, the plants within that area um, have, a, have a potency for you seven times greater than other plants. And so one of the things that that's all about is that resonance. If I've lived in Virginia, I've lived on the fault lines, I've lived with the rivers, I've lived with the Appalachians, I've breathed the soil and the air. And, you know, everybody's talking about far as the bathing, but, you know, these trees are part of me. The soil is part of me. And so the plants that grow here have a much greater resonance. And that, in some ways, if you're looking at um, entheogens and entheogens being the you know the psychedelic plants, we don't have. We do have a psilocybin. Um, friends of mine have just identified a psilocybin that's local, and its effects are very different. Um, but J.R. Worsley was introduced to me by another teacher of mine um, Cowan. And so, um, Cowan teaches plant spirit medicine and I would have knockout, drag out fights with him, you know, with psychedelics and his plant spirit medicine. Um, and, You know, he had a Huichol teacher who worked with peyote. And there was just this online course I was telling you about, about working with entheogens and serious therapeutic models and legislature and really looking at these plant medicines or sacraments, as many people hold them. Let's not let them go the way of the cannabis industry, where cannabis was um, the capitalism and, you know, just the whole denigration in some ways of this industry now with cannabis. And so, you know, really fabulous conversations. And there were these beautiful anthropologists and ethnobotanists and native um, professors. they It was primarily all women on this panel, but they were looking at peyote. And this woman said, I grew up, my grandmother gave me peyote i grew up with these ceremonies and you know i'm a, was a president of united plant savers and we have at risk plants and peyote is at risk it's endangered and you know after hearing them speak i thought you know only native people should be taking this plant mm-hmm you know, they have a relationship with it. And, you know, it's not like it's psilocybin where you can, you can grow. I mean, I have a peyote on my kitchen shelf. You know, it's this little button that I got from an eccentric gardener and it's the spirit of it. And I'll never take it. Um, because I, I don't feel like I was given, I was taught this medicine. So You know, I know I'm kind of rambling, but when I'm looking at local and what are our medicines, the thing that Elliot Cowan was saying is your local plants have the ability to take you to the same places. Your plants can dissolve all of these entheogenic plants. You know, there's many different things, but it's about ego dissolution. It's about dissolving the ego. It's about helping you journey to certain places through certain fears, guided and MDMA. And I've been teaching about these plants for 20 years and praying that they will become part of our Materia Medica. And also we have to be very careful how does ayahuasca come forward and how are we abusing it and you know, the whole Iowa And, um, you know, these are life-changing plants. And my question to the people doing it once a month is, how many near-death experiences do you need to find your path? You know, these plants are meant to really alter and to help you, you know, come into yourself. And once you see that, that's all you do. And my teacher, my herbal teacher now is a Choctaw medicine woman, and she is teaching us that are non-entheogenic, but they're all entheogenic. That's what the plants do. Mm-hmm. You take Solomon Seal. Solomon Seal medicine, my teacher says, it, it helps you make 90 degree angle changes in your life. And you take this, you take drop doses and you begin to start feeling what that feels like. Oh, I can make that change. Oh, I can make that change. One day you wake up and, oh, wow, I'm on my way. I have left that behind. And you don't need the medicine anymore. Mm-hmm. So I I have finally come to see what Elliot was saying. You don't get the bells and whistles and fractal geometric, <laughs> you know, yeah. the kaleidoscopic visions and jaguars, you know, ripping out your heart and showing you, you know, whatever. Um, and yet... I have sat with the dandelion and totally tripped out. I have seen profound healings with very, very, uh, simple weeds. I have seen bones reset with a mullen leaf. Um, so these are the stories that have to be told along with the herbal remedies or will never believe they're possible.
0: Yeah. And I want to, I want to say that, um, yeah, I will second that because I remember reading Elliot's book, Cowan's book in years ago and um, Mugwort, his story about Mugwort mm-hmm. and, and it was, I was at that time um, apprenticing with Rosemary and mm-hmm. the Gladstar and she had us, she had us sit out in her garden with a plant and and receive the healing just by sitting in the presence of the plant and my my one of my various plant spirits is is calendula. And I found my calendula and I sat there and, you know, I remembered the Cowan's book and, and it's, you know, it was a remembering, it was a remembering because for years the plants have always, I've had this experience where plants would heal me without having to ingest them. I used to to have, I used to grow uh, uh, marijuana at year, decades and decades ago before it was legal and you don't even need to ingest or smoke it. That plant is such a powerful plant spirit yeah. just sitting next yeah. to the plant. And so many of us, I think that is the, the right relationship that you were talking about. If we can sit with plants and ask for healing and receive it without ingesting, wow, what a move towards right relationship.
1: What an incredible move to write relationship. And it is such an answer to the sourcing problem. <laughs> you know, we don't need tons and tons of black cohosh. Um, and that's what my teacher, Karen Sanders, she works with drop doses.
0: And hey, can you explain what that
1: is? Uh, sure. Drop doses um, in a tincture. A tincture is when you take the herb and you uh, steep it um, in alcohol. Uh, You can steep it in glycerin or vinegar uh, and you're infusing it with what's called the menstruum, but the alcohol generally will pull and extract a certain part of the medicine and it's a very sacred medicine making or it can be done, you know, in the gallons in industrial, depends on uh, the source of the tincture. So the tincture is an alcoholic extract that has the herb in it, and so you 're just taking drop dosages and so when I started herbalism, I was heavily influenced by British phytotherapy, and they were my early teachers and so I was recommending a teaspoon five mils of a tincture three times a day. You know you need a good physiologic dose to shrink that fibroid or to relax vessels or to to make a physiologic change but what spirit medicine has shown me is it's not simply affecting the spirit the spirit drops it's almost like homeopathy Mm -hmm. the less you use the more potent it becomes Mm -hmm. and so when you take drops of a medicine it creates this patterning and the pattern is it's almost the plant that is showing you how to reinstate your pattern of health because that's what your body is always striving for. Your body always wants to go um, to its homeostasis, and we're never homeostatic because life is never balanced. You always need to be fluctuating and moving, but there, there are certain patterns of normalcy, and that's what the plants do, which is, you know, mind-blowing to me, um, and it shows their deep, deep commitment. Um, to us as humans, and you know Robin Wall Kimmer's magnificent book *Braiding Sweetgrass* is the herbalist Bible now because she talks about reciprocity, mm-hmm. and the most potent medicine is when you gather your medicines and you're giving thanks and you're singing thanks and you're leaving a gift. And so, yeah, I've used chamomile that's been radiated and I get an effect and then I've used tinctures that are made in friends of mine very famous huge um, vats of a big business in herbal tinctures and I get um, effects and good medicine from it and yet when I really harvest the way I've been taught to harvest I need to just maybe hold the bottle in my hand, like you were saying, or take drop doses. Um, It's really been potentized and honored. And, you know, I'm just so um, grateful that after all that we've done to the planet and to the plants, they keep showing up. Like, they just keep showing up for us. And I think that bird song is just a perfect mm-hmm. um, honoring of, yes, you know, they they do show up. And, you know, a lot of times we anthropomorphize plants. We put our emotions, oh, are they angry? And Oh, ayahuasca's angry now because we're abusing it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. Um, But all I know is we're creating a huge state of imbalance um, through destruction and disrespect. Um, So, you know, when we're working with that respectful nature, we need so much less of the plant material because we're running out. You know, Rosemary Gladstar in her vision 25 years ago was watching herbalism really become more and more mainstream. And in her wisdom she said we need an organization um to start planting the plants and protecting the plants. And you know, now we're even talking about should we even be wildcrafting? You know, and wildcrafting means going out into the wild and harvesting these plants. Um because they hold a, a genetic memory. Like these wild plants, these wild plants are holding space. And we don't know that they're not holding space for the very land they're on for the trauma of the land. You know, we think, oh, there's a huge amount of yarrow. I found yarrow by the river. And, you know, was there a rape by the river? Was there a civil war? You know, Virginia is replete with civil war sites. And are these plants growing in these geographic areas for the land? It's not even about us. So the whole notion of wildcrafting now, let's grow the medicines. Let's give, let's give employ. Let's give jobs. Let's, you know, really, really support um, these courageous herb farmers out there um, who are growing with a tremendous amount of respect.
0: Yeah, yeah. As I, as I listen to you, I'm looking out my window, and there's this beautiful white hawk circling right around my backyard. Yeah. Still, oh, still out there. right. Hawk, huh. yes, wow, so beautiful. So, in that moment, um, just want to say thank you so much for that beautiful <laughs> offering. And wow,
1: off on the wings of a white hawk. I've Ooh. been on a lot of programs, but I've never had such a, a magnificent closing. And Stephanie, <laughs> I, I just also want to say thank you to you for these programs, all the programming, um, and how you are showing up and working um, so compassionately, uh, for what you believe and how are we catalysts of change? So what fun. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, Kat. And in closing, um, I would love to hear just one more nugget of how you, you know, your prescription for how we right now, whether it's individually or collectively can reinstate a pattern of health.
1: Boy, there's there's so much to say. I think the first is for us to be kind. Yeah, you know, I we just being kind and being grateful. Um, and I think what is really going forward, I really see the gifting economy coming forward. We have to understand those of us that have more than we need. This is our time. This is the time to really restructure our economics and set up our businesses not for profit, but for that exchange. And we have to feel a kindness in our hearts in order to really extend that.
0: Beautiful. And I I love closing on that note because That's really how you approach your love and and how you show up with the plants. I hear that always in your voice, kindness. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. Because in this time, it is feeling quite divisive in its own way about what's going on in the world. Thank you for that reminder to always show up with kindness. It is one of the best medicines.
1: Ain't always easy, (laughs) but it, it pays. There's huge value. It's reciprocity. It'll come back. It'll come back. It's a practice. It's the practice. Right
0: on. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Catalyst Talks. Stay tuned for what's up next and please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. You'll find those links at catalysttalks.com. Join us. We continue this conversation on social media. And if you'd like to reach out to me privately, you can send me a message at stephanietrager.com. Your attention here means the world to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.